0: Good morning Impact Church of the Wilderness. We are so delighted that you are here fellowshipping with us today and we are so delighted that you are also connecting with us this morning. On this 14th day of June uh, we are celebrating our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ magnifying his holy name giving him the glory that he so richly deserved. There is none like our God and we just magnify his holy name. Uh, this morning before we dive into the text I have a couple of things I want to bring to your attention. First I want to remind everybody that this week we will have our BBS for our children uh, and our youth uh, Monday through Thursday this week. It'll be live stream, but we will have BBS for our children. And that'll be uh, this week, Monday through Thursday. So we would love for you to participate and be a part of our live stream. We are so looking forward to it because we believe that we still have to stay connected. We are still reaching our children, our youth with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have some more than company people who do it, does an excellent job. And so we want to make certain that we are reaching them and also we are working on uh, making certain that we reach out and connect with our young people and we want to have a dialogue uh you, everyone know about our panel discussion that we had on wednesday and that was uh just so uh important for us to bring leaders from our community together and have a discussion about the current uh, uh crisis that's going on within our country the civil unrest the challenges and uh, so it was imperative that we do that but we want to have a second part whereby we bring our young people in and talk to them about some of the things that are transpiring within our country and in our community and how we can also be uh, so engaged and active but at the same time we are always bringing a biblical christian answer to everything that we do because we know that the word of god uh, supersedes all of our presuppositions the word of god is the answer to whatever we are addressing God has already spoken and so we want to hear uh, from the Word of God so we are looking forward to doing that and so you will see the information to be posted on our social media we send out our emails and so if you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel download our app as he just a uh, challenge you do please do it so you can stay connected with us at Impact Church of the Woodlands. we will be delighted to be able to participate in that capacity Today we're going to be in Psalms 23. We're going to do the second part of Psalms 23. So if you have your Bibles, turn there. And while you're turning there in Psalms 23, I want to uh, just challenge everybody to please tweet, text, or post something from the service. Let someone know, hey, I was at 54 Shadow Bend Place, the Woodlands, Texas at Impact Church. Or say, hey, I watched it via live stream, but post it. We're going to give you an impact fact. We give you a Bible verse, something that you can post, you can text, you can tweet something, send out because we want people to know that we're here proclaiming the Word of God uh, and we want people to be impacted by it because we believe that it is the Word of God that changed and transformed lives and set the captives free. Amen? And so we thank God for that. But our text this morning is going to be in uh, Psalms 23. A familiar psalm and I wanted to give a psalm that was familiar. I want to encourage people because I'm convinced at a time like this where there's so much volatility there's so much tension Uh, so much anxiety that people need a familiar word that they can meditate upon, hide in their hearts, but also a challenging word. So this morning I want to challenge you at a different level. And so as we go through the word and as we go in the text this morning, I want you to make sure you please grab a notebook or something where you can take a note or two because I want to challenge you at a different level personally. Uh, we always do collective, but today I want it to be more of a personal challenge. I want you to really contemplate and think about some things. And as the Spirit of God convicts you, jot some things out and say, Lord, I want to do what you ask me to do. Psalms 23 is our text. Would you please stand with me this morning uh, as we read Psalms 23? Many of us can quote it from heart. we learned this as a little one. Uh, it's a beautiful psalm. I love it, love it, love it. And it's couched within 24 and 22 and 24, like a trilogy as it referenced Jesus Christ. And so I want to read Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He lead me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou prepared the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. You may be seated. Lord God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace, for your compassion, for your kindness. And we thank you for your truth. Lord God we are so delighted that you have called us into the family that you saved us that you've redeemed us and Lord God we recognize there is none like you and so father we ask today that you speak to us as only you can move Lord God as only you can and for whatever you do we will give you praise we will give you the glory and Lord God we will be certain to give you the honor that you so richly deserve We ask it all in the mighty, majestic name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. During a recent interview, chief of police for the city of Houston referenced an incident that happened, and he called it evil. And he requests the prayers of the community for the situation that had happened. At the time, the police chief was referencing Rosalie Cook, who was stabbed outside of Walgreens repeatedly and she died from her stab wound the police killed the assailant who stabbed her she was 80 years old also there was Cody John who's 24 years old and she was seven months pregnant and her ex-boyfriend killed her and in killing her he also killed the child They were two people who were comprised of the 131 murders in the city of Houston since 2020 began. These are statistics going through May the 22nd. There has already been 131 murders in the city of Houston. And I began to look at the numbers across some major metropolitan areas and see the numbers of Crimes that have been committed to see where they were. Because I thought about what he said and he was so right. He being the chief of police, he said this was an evil act. And how many evil acts occur and transpire in our cities? Not only in Houston, but also in Chicago, another city where I live. In the city of Chicago in 2020, we have already had 239 homicides. Homicides. In 2020. As a matter of fact. On May 31st. There were 18 homicides committed. In one day. And I think that could constitute evil. You go from Chicago. To L.A. L.A. From May the 10th to June the 6th. There were 22 homicides. 41 rapes. Then another category of rape, there was 31. Then there were 546 robberies. Aggravated assaults, 1,411. Rampant crime, escalating numbers, increasing annually. Evil behavior coming from citizens. Then I looked at New York City. From June the 1st to June the 7th there were 13 murders, 29 rapes, 202 robberies, felony assaults, 405 felony assaults, burglary 909 grand larceny 467. Grand larceny is when you steal anything that is greater than $1,000 in value. Just an incessant number of evil acts that are transpiring amongst people and we see it all over our society and our world. And I know some of you may be sitting here watching me realize, see well, I haven't committed any of these acts. But let me tell you something. Evil does not just reside in those who commit acts that are on the police stat sheet. There are other acts of evil and crimes that occur within our society that oftentimes we wink at or allow to go unnoticed. If You work for someone and you don't give them the full eight hours and you are fudging on the time. You are basically sinning against God. It's an evil act. If you take merchandise from your employer And don't return it. Don't pay for it. That is an evil act of thievery. You have stolen something. Also, if you use some of the intellectual property of that entity for yourself, for personal gain, without their knowledge, without their consent, it is also stealing. If you are in business and you charge people a higher interest rate than you should, If you manipulate the numbers for your own personal gain, that is also an evil act. And so often we miss the evil that resides in us because we love to see the evil that we think exists in others. It's always easy for us to look at the other person and see their evil and see their wickedness and see their flaws. But we refuse to look at ourselves and note the evil that resides within us. What about in our own families? Are you speaking to your spouse or are you not speaking? Can you forgive? Can you love to your spouse and be kind? What about your children? Are you forgiving with your children? Do you hold a grudge? Do you mistreat? What about to your own siblings? Are you envious of your siblings? Are you jealous of them? Do you put undue guilt on them? Do you try to tear them down with slander? What about your neighbor? How do I treat my neighbor? Do I treat my neighbor as I would want to be treated? Do I love them as myself? Or is there also some type of animosity there or jealousy there? Have you injured someone in your family? Have you asked for forgiveness? We see the evil in others, but we oftentimes don't see the evil in ourselves. We often want to call and outline and point out the need for reform in other areas, but we don't see the need for reform within our own lives. I know it's going to be quiet as grass growing here this morning, but I want you to stay with me, please. Stay with me. Stay with me. Because I'm convinced that we need reform. It's not just reform in the police. It's not just reform in the citizens. It's reform individually that needs to take place in our individual hearts. Everybody's talking about reform and change needed. I'm convinced that the reform needs to take place individually. We can look at others and we can say, man, they're so racist, they're so hateful, they're so bitter. But we don't look at ourselves and say, we are just as racist, as bitter, as unforgiving. We don't express love, we don't show kindness, we're mean, we're grumpy, we're sour. We've allowed the root of bitterness to grow up in us. We are just as guilty. And I'm talking also about the church, the ecclesia. Some of the most cruel, most unforgiving, most bitter people I've found have been right here in the context of the church. Faithfully attend, serve in ministry in some capacity, but they are bitter, mean, unforgiving, and don't recognize their own evil that is in their heart. But if a prostitute walk in, if a drunk walk in, we can note the wickedness in that individual, but we never see the evil in our own heart. I'm convinced that the reform needs to take place within us. It's within us because the evil reside within us. Jeremiah 17.9, he says in that text, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things. He said, it is desperately wicked who... Can know it. Jeremiah is speaking about the condition of the individual. And so often we don't want to look introspectively within ourselves, allow the spirit of God to shine the light of the Holy Spirit within us and reveal what resides within our hearts. If our land is going to be healed, if the United States of America is going to live out that which it needs to. If the church is going to be the church what I believe it can be, the church must first look within and say the reform has to begin with me not collectively but individually and when that reform happens we will begin to see the power of God manifest within the church. I'm not looking for a government agency. I'm not looking to a governor nor a mayor or president a board, a municipality, I'm not looking to enter those entities for the transformation that I desire. I'm looking to be the transformation that I want to see within my community. Evil is present and it is real. And it's incumbent upon us individually, saints of God and people of God, to truly manifest what it means. To be delivered from this evil. Psalms twenty-three is a beautiful psalm, and I love it. I love Psalms twenty-three because the psalmist in this psalm he is writing and letting us know what God has meant to him. It's a psalm of praise. Theologians debate the setting laban of the psalm. What is the context it's written in? Was it written when they were walking up to the temple, and it was for that occasion? Was it written for a festival or a feast? Often they question who wrote it, when he wrote it, and why he wrote it. I'm convinced when he says that it is a psalm of David that it is attributed to the source, he being the author of the psalm. Many question that. But nevertheless, this psalm is a beautiful psalm. It is the Ms. Moore that he writes that talk about how God has been so faithful to him And that he can trust God regardless of what he goes through. As we are going through this psalm this morning, I want you to make certain that you make it personable. And don't just gloss over some of the things in this psalm because you can say, I've been there, I've read it, I know it. But I want you to pause and slowly go through this psalm and ingest the beauty of the psalm and the profound truth that emanates from the psalm. Last week, we looked at the fact that he said that the Lord is his Shepherd, love that part of the psalm because he used the metaphor of the Lord being like a shepherd who shepherds the sheep. So, if the Lord is the shepherd, the psalmist says, I am the sheep, and because I reside in the place of a sheep, I need someone who can guide me and who can keep me in what I go through. He says, The Lord is my shepherd, and as a result of the Lord being his shepherd, he said, There is nothing that I will want. He says, I am lacking nothing because God is a sufficient God who provides everything that I need. Anybody know God is a sufficient God? He talks about God and making him lie down. Verse two, giving him rest, placing him in green pastures and how he leads him to give him also a drink. God provides for him those that things that sustain him. But when you get down into verse four. He says something here that is so important. He says that the Lord is the one who restores his soul. I like this. And I believe he says this because evil has a way of depleting our soul of all the things that we possess. And I want you to stay with me. I was reading a book this week, Trauma and Evil by Means, and in the book, means we're saying something that I think is so true and profound. He says theologians have lost the interest in the internal workings of the human soul. He says instead, they choose to focus their attention on political and economic structures of oppression and systematic forces of evil. As seen in various forms of discrimination. Watch this now. He says the theologian has shifted from looking at how evil resides in the individual. Challenging the reader to note the need for personal accountability and that we have focused and shifted on the political and economic structures that seem to oppress individuals. We don't want to look at it individually, we want to see it as collective Because when we see it as collective, it becomes this abstract entity that is against us. But whenever we know it to be something personal, I have an obligation and a responsibility to act. He says the evils of our world have been consigned to social forces beyond the scope of our own personal responsibility. He said, but each of us should recognize our own responsibility. Is when theologians abandon the task of helping us to understand the experiential dynamics of sin, we are left with symbolic and conceptual voids. I like that. Why? Why? When we consign it to social forces beyond the scope of our own personal responsibility, it is out there and we never have to take into account. How am I contributing to the evil that I see around me? How am I a part of it and reinforcing it and perpetuating all the evil that I see? So often we don't want to own it. And impact and those watching by live stream. Stay with me now. I know this is not going to be a popular sermon. I don't expect to get a lot of likes and hearts going up today. But I want to challenge you at a different level. Stay with me. Why? Because let me tell you something. If you're willing to look in and say the reformation, the reform begins with me, we will see our world begin to change. He says sin becomes this external force known as evil people who are summarily dismissed in mass as if they have no relationship to us. See, it's this those evil people. They're evil. Their behavior is wicked. But we never take ownership and say that I am evil, I am wicked. When was the last time you looked in the mirror and said, you know what, I'm pretty hateful. I was kind of grumpy when I spoke to them. I wasn't very loving and compassionate when I gave them my response. I've been bitter for a long time and I really need to get over this, but I won't relinquish it and let it go. But how often are we able to look at an incident and say, man, weren't they very evil and wicked? They're racist. Maybe they're not racist. Maybe they just don't like you. We don't want to take personal ownership. And that's in every community. Black community, Anglo, Hispanic, Asian, any community you name. We always want to point at others and say they are the culprit. And at some point, church, we have to take personal responsibility ownership of the evil that exists and say I need to be reformed. We have to go back and look at the Apostle Paul. He says such were some of you and he gives a litany of elements that we were and we have to remember that that evil was within us and that it is not fully eradicated. Though it is quelled by the Holy Spirit of God, it still resides and all it needs is an occasion to manifest itself within our lives. Evil is there. An impact I wanna challenge you personally, collectively, but more so personally today because I need us to look at ourselves and own our own evil actions and behavior Instead of always pointing across the aisle at other people. The psalmist says something here in this, still in the first stanza, there's two stanzas that are seen in this psalm. But in the first stanza here in verses three and four is what I want you to focus on and see this morning. Because he makes a statement here that is so important. He's already talked about the Lord being his shepherd. Beautiful imagery, metaphor. Lord supplying everything that he wants and he tells what the Lord supplies in two and three, rest, relaxation, provision, fresh drink from the brook, quiet, peace, and turbulent seasons. But when he gets to three, he says, the Lord does something very intriguing and I want you to see it there. He says, the Lord... Yeshua restores my soul. I like this for several reasons. Let me see if I can unpack it for you. He uses it in the po'el, in the imperfect form in the Hebrew. And in the Hebrew, the imperfect has this idea of not just a one time action, but the imperfect has this idea of a continual and habitual type action. There is a need for us continuously to have our soul restored because the soul can be depleted of all that has been imparted to it by a holy God. Watch at conversion. When the Lord saves us, the Bible tells us that he, first of all, imparts to us the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Stay with me for a minute. Just, just one minute. I want you to hear this. Once we repent of sin and unrighteousness, God comes in and does this beautiful work. First, he eradicates all sin but then he imparts or credit to our account the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Are you all with me? Because within ourselves, we don't possess the righteousness necessary to live the Christian life, to merit heaven and so he regenerates us and justifies us and he imparts he puts it to our account. He said, I'm gonna impart and give you this credit of righteousness. He said, Your account is full. Feel. He said, but let me tell you I'm gonna do what else I'm gonna do for you. He says, I'm gonna also seal you with my sweet Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that mark that identifies ownership. We are no longer our own, we are the possession of a holy God. He owns us. That's what the Holy Spirit symbolizes in the believer. But he said, I'm going to do one better for you. He says, I'm going to also fill you with the Holy Spirit. I love what Paul says in Ephesians 5 when he tries to explain to the church at Ephesus what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. He says, do not get drunk with wine, chapter 5. He said, but what? Be filled with the Spirit. Watch. Wine has a way of controlling us. It takes control of our minds. And when our mind is controlled by wine, we can't control our appendages. Our psychomotor skills are limited because it is being impaired by the wine that has consumed and controlled us. And so he says, instead of allowing wine to control you, he said in a parallel fashion, he said the Holy Spirit of God can control you if you submit to it, if you are sealed by it, if you are filled with it, he said the Holy Spirit will control your life. And so when you want to behave in an evil fashion, you can't. Why? Because the Holy Spirit that controls you said, don't say that. Don't go there. Paul, wait a minute. But you have to be controlled by the Holy Spirit of God. Watch. It's kind of like with our bank accounts. See, your bank account in banking industry, what happens is you have to make certain that you stay in the black in your account, meaning that you have to deposit enough money so when you withdraw from that account, you have something in it to take from it. But you can withdraw to the point where the numbers go from black to red. Meaning that there is a negative balance because you have overdrawn and withdrawn and taken too much out of that account. And I'm convinced that sometimes when it comes to our soul, when it comes to our life, God who has imparted righteousness and credited to our account of Jesus Christ. We have been conducting and participating in evil activity and it diminishes the balance in our account. And we get down and our account is depleted because of evil actions. The psalmist, if you go back and look over his life, you said, but this is King David. Yeah, King Par excellence of Israel. This is the David who defeated the lion and the bear. This is the David who defeated Goliath. This is the same David they were singing songs about. This is the David who danced before the Ark of the Covenant when they brought it back from obed Eden. This is the same David who led the nation in righteousness and holiness. This is the same David who the Lord says, I need a man after my own heart. But this same David also has some moments that were not stellar and that were not pleasing. This is also the same David who committed a premeditated murder. This is the same David who gave a man his death certificate and said, take it. This is the same David who committed adultery. Same David who lied, duplicitous, did all sorts of activity. The same David who would have killed Nabal if Abigail wouldn't have intervened. And each time David did those things, it depleted his soul, took away the joy, took away his happiness, took away his peace, eradicated his kindness, took away the ability to have forgiveness. He didn't remain faithful. He wasn't able to forgive at the moment that he should. He didn't have the discernment that he needed in those moments because of what? Because he had done things that depleted his account. And so when he comes down to Psalm 3 and he is writing as he's a seasoned old man, he looks back over his life. He says, and I have a shepherd who restores my soul. He said he's come in and he's deposited back to my account all that has been depleted by the evil action. All that has been depleted by my unforgiving, my lack of love, my lack of sympathy, my lack of compassion for those who need it, my lack of mercy and grace. He said, but there's a God that I serve. I have a shepherd who restores my soul. Anybody know God will restore your soul this morning? Let me tell you something. He restored his soul. Because as we live this life, we don't always stay in the path of righteousness. But we have a shepherd. Don't anybody thank God for the shepherd? Yeah, yeah. He lovingly comes and restores our soul. Yes, he does. That's why I like. I'm glad he put it in there. Imperfect. I'm glad it wasn't in the perfect but the imperfect because the imperfect says I have to have this continuously, habitually Lord because I am prone to err, to wonder. I drift. I forget but I have a shepherd who has a staff who nudges me who retrieves me, who restores me. He restores my soul. Yes. I'm glad he does. Because there are times where I need to be restored and then he guides me. Once he restores me, he says, now I want to make sure you stay in the path. What path, Lord? Paths of righteousness. Because we, the them. but the shepherd keeps us in the right path. I thank God for this because I know that I'm guilty of getting off the path. How many times have I been off the path? Wonder, But we have a shepherd who guides us back to the path. The psalmist could write this and I'm convinced he's letting us know today that we all need to be restored. Especially the church. As I look at the civil unrest in our country and I see how people are just pointing, blaming the police and Blaming the governors and blaming the mayors, booing, blaming the president, the Senate, the House. Blame, 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 blame. But nobody looks in the mirror and says, I am also a part of the problem. Though I can't change the masses, I will begin to change myself. I will begin to allow the spirit of God to restore my soul so that I can be used for his glory and honor. I don't want to allow the enemy to control my mind and to keep me held captive to those things that are in my past and that kept me bound. He goes on in this text, and I want you to see the second part of him. Verse four. He said. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness. Why does he guide me in those paths? paths? He does it for his name's sake. God keeps me on these paths because it gives glory to his name. If the Lord is my shepherd, if the Lord makes certain I want nothing, if he restores my soul then and he says he's guiding me, if I get off and stay over there and he can't get me back on the right path, it means that he is not able as a sovereign God to keep me. But since my God is a keeper and his name is tied to mine, God says, I'm going to keep you on the path of righteousness. He goes on and talk about the walk in here. And I want you to see this. A couple of things in here about the walk. He says, I walk through the valley. I fear no evil. And I like the fact that he's walking through the valley. It lets me know that he's patiently doing this. He's not in a rush. He is patiently walking, going through here. He doesn't have to be in a rush because he understands that the shepherd is with him as he's walking through this valley. The text says the shadow of death. And so often we associate that with I'm dying. I'm about dead. But if you look at the term that is used there. It referenced a deep darkness. And the psalmist says when I'm going through deep darkness, the one thing that I can be assured of, though it seems like that I am alone going through here. I'm in this low place called the valley and there is darkness that covers it. I can assure you that there is somebody that's with me as I'm going through my deep darkness. Life has a way of taking us through deep darkness. The very seasons we're in. Sometimes life get us in a place where we feel almost depressed. Many people. I hear so many people. They call, they email. And they're I am under so much pressure and anxiety. I have so much going on right now. This person is sick. This child is wayward. I can't seem to have a healthy relationship with family and friends. There's antagonism and people feel like that they are in a deep darkness. And the psalmist says, even though I walked through the valley of the shadow of deep darkness, because the psalmist had moments where he went through some darkness. Oh, he did. He remembered when Saul was trying to kill him and he hadn't committed any offense. That's darkness when somebody's trying to kill you. He remember he was living in caves and on the run. That's darkness. He couldn't relax and rest. He remember when his own son tried to overthrow his kingdom. Mutiny from within. That's darkness. He remember when his daughter was raped. That is darkness. He remember when he committed murder he tried to get out of his mind the voices of you are the man. How many times did he go to sleep and he could see the finger of Nathan pointing at him saying, you are the man. He was in the valley of deep darkness. But even in the context of that darkness that around him, he says, I still will fear no evil. See that? In this world as we live in it, we are around so much evil. More importantly, the evil is within us. There is the internal evil. There is the external evil. There is the collective evil that exists. Evil exists in so many contexts. The internal evil is the evil that is within us when we want to lash out and behave in an unbecoming manner. The external evil often sometimes classified as nature is that evil where we see landslides tsunamis hurricanes and we are impacted by these events but then there's also that collective evil when people get together and they do things make policies make decisions that impact individuals adversely there is evil all around us and the one thing the psalmist says he says as I'm going through the deep darkness of this world and my own personal darkness he says I will fear no Raah. hebrew says evil he said i won't fear any but the reason why he can say that i love here because he used a key clause here in the hebrew at the end to denote the reason results he says i don't fear the deep darkness i don't fear the evil he said, the reason why I don't fear is because I know that my shepherd is with me. Oh, saints of God, let me tell you something. The reason why we don't fear and we don't fret is because the shepherd is with us. Did you hear me this morning? Yeah. We all have to be in the valley at some point. We all have to look in the mirror of life and see things in our lives and we say, Lord, I I don't like it. I, I know it's not right. Lord, deliver me from it. But the one thing that we shouldn't have is fear. Why? Because the shepherd is with us. He's accompanying us as we go through. And it's incumbent upon us to make certain that we're willing to look in the deep recesses of our hearts and admit that that valley of darkness is within us. The evil is within us and that we serve one who is greater than that evil can help us overcome it. Therefore, we don't have to fear the evil within, the evil without or the collective evil that exists in the context of this world. Oh, impact is hard for us to sit and to look at ourselves and see where we really are. It's difficult. It's difficult to look at your life and say, I fell out with that person over something that was trivial and I need to repent. I didn't have to be so harsh. Why am I envious of that person? Why am I jealous? Why can't I celebrate their success? Why can't I applaud them? Oh, that's evil. We want to look across the aisle and say, "There, the blame. And the reality is the blame is standing in our shoes. The psalmist says this and he says, I fear no evil. He said, Lord, because you're with me. And if the Lord is with us, we have to fear no one. But the way you get there is you have to first recognize what he says in verse one. The Lord is my shepherd. If you can't say he's your shepherd, you definitely will never be able to say he's with me. I want to challenge this morning as you're going through. These difficult, dark seasons. Know that the shepherd is with you. Notice know God is your comforter. He's your keeper. That God will not abandon you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He's promised to be with you. Through everything. He's the one who holds our hand. He is a lap lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He is our God, and we can celebrate him and give him the glory that he so richly deserves. Impact we don't fear because we have a shepherd who guides us through all the dark recesses of life. Our impact fact for today is this, and I want you to see it. God shepherds his sheep through dark valleys. So they may enjoy the abundant life in the presence of their enemies. See, God is the one who shepherds us. And God allow us to lay down to sit and reside and enemies can be all around. But the one thing about it is if the Lord is with you, it doesn't matter where you may sit and eat, where you take your rest. Because the Lord can ensure that no one can get to you. You don't have to fear the evil around you but that's only if the lord is your shepherd you haven't placed your faith and trust in jesus christ alone i want to tell you something today will be a great day for you to do it especially watching us by live stream the lord is here to save you if you repent if you confess your sin he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness the bible tells us but you got to confess if you want to do that click you watching the live stream click at the bottom there's a link where you can click and find out more about salvation. We want to connect with you and we want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ because he is more than able to save you. Our Lord loves you. and He has a plan for you, but you're going to have to reach out by faith and say, Lord, save me. I'm a sinner. I have evil in my life. I want to be reformed just like us. If you're a believer. You say, you know what, Roche? I'm a believer, but I also need a touch. I need the Lord to help restore my soul. Contact us. Follow the link also. We want to walk with you and help you progress in your sanctification, but you're going to have to be willing to by faith to reach out and trust God. We will help you grow in your relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's here. He's able to do it, but you've got to reach out by faith. If you believe that, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning. <clears throat> Father, we love you. We thank you for your truth, for your mercy, for your grace. Sustain, keep us, and watch over us and guide us. And Lord, for that, we'll be certain to give you praise and glory. We love you. We ask God in the mighty majestic name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. Please have a blessed day, Lord. Don't forget, we pray every day at 6.55 p.m. We would love for you to join our prayer line. Have a blessed day, and Lord, and thank you for watching.